Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. That's the devil. That was in case you're wondering who that was. That was the devil. Because tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to celebrate the spawn of Satan with two ginormous movies, which I have to be honest with you, I couldn't believe we haven't yet discussed. Yeah, we are going big old heavy hitters tonight. Fuck yeah! So yeah, it blows my mind that we have covered some pieces of shit, boy, and we have somehow managed to ignore two of the biggest, most influential movies of the late 60s, early 70s. That's right. Tonight, we are going to two Satan baby daddy movies oh. with Rosemary's Baby and The Omen. I tell you what, if there's one person you don't want as a baby daddy, it's Satan. That's my takeaway from this whole thing. I don't know. I'd kind of be down the clown with that. You would. There'd be some, like, you know, there'd be some power moves, you know? I'm just saying that my kid's going to be set. That's true. Son of Satan. Son of Satan. Set you got a lot going on. And set all the life. all the free animals you can handle. These are two really huge, ginormous movies that I cannot wait to unpack. So let's get moving. Okay. Uh you wanna start with Rosemary's Bebe? Heck yeah. And by the way, Devil Be Gone. Jesus lives here because this movie was released on June twelfth of nineteen sixty-eight. June being the sixth month. Twelve divided by two. What number is that? Six. And 1968, 666, Mark of the Beast, Jackie. That's kind of a stretch. Really, Shut That's up, really what they were doing? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of a stretch. No, no, no. no that's, that's a not, little bit of a stretch. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> Hold on. Because let me tie it to The Omen. The Omen was released on June 6th of 1976. And they purposefully did it so that it would be 666. 76. That I can buy more than the whole having to divide 12 by 2. Oh, if you think this is the weirdest my theories are getting tonight about the devil, you're sadly mistaken, so my the, friend. The devil? The devil. The fruits Beals of the are? devil? The Beals. Oh, one Mr. Beals the bub. No. <laughs> this is shit's getting real tonight, okay? Right. I have done my devil work. Yes. I have done the devil's work, Jackie! <laughs> all for you! It's all for you, Jackie! <laughs> I'm ready. All right. I'm so ready. Tell so, me about Bob, the Bambino of Rosemary. First of all, I gotta tell you, being a kid growing up in the early 80s and Rosemary was your mother wasn't fun. I If I had a nickel for every time somebody was like, oh, look, you're Rosemary's baby. <laughs> no. Don't call me the devil. I don't appreciate it. Anyway, I digress. Now that I've gotten my personal traumas out. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I was. My mom was Rosemary and That's I was true. Rosemary's baby That's... and people gave me a lot of shit for it growing up. That is very true. That is very true. Just because I was born with horns and, and weird my eyes. mom really liked Tannis Root, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Continue. She gets raped by Satan has a devil baby the end. There's witches. There we go. There's are witches. Are they witches or are they coven or cult? Are they witches? I believe that they are coven. Yeah, because the, the book was all down. about the witches. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that all down of, too. All of them witches is the book. So, yeah, I mean, if you don't know the plot of Rosemary's Baby, you're probably not listening to this, this podcast, right? I mean, people who listen to this podcast know the story of Rosemary's Baby. So we have to get the elephant out of the room here, and that is, of course, the controversy over whether or not we should even be discussing Polanski's canon. So I'm going to say that in, in a very un-me move, I don't freaking know. 
I know that I'm usually one to have a lot of strong opinions and I'm not afraid to get on my soapbox and slap my fists around about them, but when it comes to whether or not we should literally throw out the entire canon with the scumbag associated with it, I find myself more and more torn these days. Polanski is a fucking scumbag, a dirtbag motherfucker, and if he made a movie today, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But I find myself still drawn to his old work. I'm definitely in the same boat. And here's where I argue against throwing it away. There's so many more people that were involved in the making of this movie besides just him that to throw it away, you're throwing away the hard work of everybody who wasn't a dirtbag statutory rapist. Agreed. And you You know know who else is a dirtbag statutory rapist? Who? The devil. The devil. (laughs) No, but I agree with you. That is a compelling argument. I mean, shit, Mia Farrow gave up her marriage to another fucking scumbag, Frank Sinatra. I said it. We're from Jersey. I'm not scared. Um, (laughs) Because... He literally said to her, you are either going to leave this movie set and come be my fucking wife, or I'm divorcing you. She was like, fuck you, motherfucker! So yeah, it's like, I, I, I love that, and I love that she, as a human being, seemed to go through a very similar transformation that Rosemary goes through from, like, this feeble little fucking victim to the ending of being a feminist, although she does also now have a baby who's Satan. But, you know, we'll take a week and get baby steps, right? Yeah. Women's rights. Um, I agree with you. I, I look at things like Quentin Tarantino's canon. And again, while I'm not sure I'm going to snuggle up to any sort of things that these guys are associated with it moving forward, I am not going to stop watching Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. You know, like, because, but then again, I'm like, well, should I? I don't know. I don't want to give my money to assholes. It's like, I refuse to watch, um, Jeepers Creepers 3. Because yeah. why are they giving that guy work when they know he's a fucking scumbag? Polanski's not getting work. Liam Neeson just shot himself in the foot because he's obviously a fucking crazy racist scumbag. So when Taken 558 comes out next month, I hope nobody goes to see it. But... Again, I think there's a difference between the classic canon and the dirtbag associated with it and, like, actively supporting artists who are scumbags today. I think we should... My take on it is we don't support them, we don't give them our money or time or energy today, like Liam Neeson, because obviously he's a racist fucking lunatic, but we... I think we we don't have to throw away the canon either. Right. Yeah, because like I said, it's not... This movie is not just about Roman Polanski. Right. But I would be lying if I said that I'm not very, very torn about all that. Yeah, I think I am too. I, I think for the most part I am too. Um, I don't know. I, I hate to say it. I, I hate that I have to say this sentence. But it's now so common that we are finding out that there are all these different celebrity douchebags that you are made to choose things that you used to love and should you still love it. Right. And that's, like, so fucked up that we even have to have those thoughts and say those sentences. Right. I was told the other day that calling somebody sweater a Cosby sweater was inappropriate. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. But. But it is a Cosby sweater. It was totally a Cosby sweater. Yeah. But, but again, like, I admit that as a very progressive, very liberal, very mindful of everyone's feelings because I don't think it's a bullshit way to live. I think it's an important way to live. I was like, oh, fuck, man, yeah, I guess I shouldn't call it a Cosby sweater. But wait a minute, time out. How is it offensive to call it? Just because he did something he did horrible. So a now, lot of so you'll never things. eat jello pudding pops ever again. Well, if you put the pudding, <laughs> I don't know why I. Theo. 
with the jello in the pudding. Yeah, um, like I don't know. To no, me, that's now kind we, of, see to now me, that we goes can't make those far. jokes. See, I don't, I don't know. I, I get it. I don't think anybody's gonna, gonna ever. I'm gonna say that like someone that gets offended by something being called a Cosby sweater, like I'll be the douchebag to say, you know what, you're being too sensitive. See, I disagree though, and yeah. we can agree to disagree. Yeah. I just like. Because he is a giant scumbag. That show was produced and created by him. He was, in large part, that show. So I can, as much as I think it was an important moment in, 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 in black history, it's kind of fucking ruined now, and he's to blame for that. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm pissed at him for that. Um, it's like if fucking, like, you, we turned around tomorrow, and we find out that Mr. Rogers was a, you know... Was an assassin? Oh Wasn't he God. supposed to be in it? The rumor that was like he's like a, v- a Vietnam War assassin or something. Fuck, like I that. believe it, man. He was having some serious PTSD, and that's why he was so cool. Um, no, it's it's weird, and I I hear you. I I know that maybe we're too sensitive, but I also feel like I always am a champion of sensitivity. So I I never know how to end like land on all this. So if you're listening out there, you have an opinion. Is a Cosby sweater an offensive thing? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the devil because um, in 1966, right before this movie went into production, Time Magazine very famously had a cover article saying God is dead. And this was very much a reaction to a couple of things. First of all, the pushback against organized Catholicism specifically and religion in America. And it was very much a reaction to the countercultures, which were all basically very anti- traditional standards of religion and suburbanism and the 1950s prim and properness. So I think movies like this come out as a reaction to how terrified people are of the lack of morality we're looking at in the late 60s in America. And if you're interested in learning more about the late 1960s and how the sociocultural norms basically formed our horror, please check us out at mesonscream.com because we actually did an entire episode recently on 1969 and how that year was fucking bonkers for America. So, um, yes, shameless plug there if you don't mind. But yeah, I think that it was the perfect time for a film like this for a few reasons. I think, first of all, it was perfect time for a very cleverly done feminist film which I hate to even give Polanski that, but I do think the character of Rosemary is incredibly feminist in a weird sort of way, um, even though she is very much a victim of the men and women in her life. Um, I also think it's a perfect time for a movie that harps on our paranoia that the devil is everywhere and the devil is, is right next door. And because literally, the entire building full of adorable little old people are an entire coven of fucking devilish witches. Yes, they are. And that's terrifying to me. Old people can be terrifying on a good day. <laughs> I'm sorry, old people listening. But, <laughs> you know it's true. Um, but, make them witches and a cult of demon worshippers who have literally made a deal with the devil? They're, oh, God, nightmare fuel. And their makeup scares me. <laughs> and sadly, their makeup had nothing to do with the devil. <laughs> That's that was all, fucking... That's all the joke. That, that's Estee Lauder. <laughs> so, okay. So for me, I'm going to throw it out there. The scene that I will always cry a little bit during and just want to fucking crawl under a rock is the devil rape scene. I think that's universal it for everybody. It never like, gets easier for me. That you know, No. You know what's worse than that? The next morning where her husband tells her, yeah, you were passed out, but I fucked you anyway. Oh, God. And again, I love the whole that's perfectly fucking okay back then. You know, marital rape isn't even a thing until the mid to late 70s. So really, 
Rosemary would have had no ground to stand on to be like, you motherfucker, you did what now? And like, what I, why I call this film feminist, because I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me that this is a feminist film. Why I call it feminist is because it shows you just how fucking powerless we were. And how we were doing, and I say we meaning women, of course, and how we were doing everything in our power to slowly try to gain some fucking freedom and rights for ourselves in the most meaningless ways we could. So this, when Rosemary cuts her hair, to me, is this iconic moment in women's history, in, in film, and it's perfect because it's Women's Film History Month, uh, Women in Horror Month or whatever, um, because he doesn't like it. And you know what? Fuck you, motherfucker. I'm glad she, you hate it. If he, if I, like, if, if I were married to Guy, who is the biggest douchebag, I'm gonna just say. Yeah. He's the biggest douchebag on celluloid I've seen in some time. <laughs> and that's saying something. We watch a lot of douchebags on this fucking podcast. This guy's a scumbag of the umpth degree. He literally sells his wife and his baby to the devil to get his fucking acting career. To go back to your earlier point, um, just about the way that women, you know, were treated. Uh, I have a note about how twice in this movie, Rosemary was scolded for reading books. Well, we don't want dames getting those crazy ideas. Like, I know. You know what happens when you read books. Cookbooks only. Yeah. Cookbooks only, honey. Please. Cookbooks Please. only. Maybe good housekeeping. Maybe. Maybe. Um, no, it's true. And, and we watch her. I think what makes this film more horrific than any devil baby could ever make it is watching this poor woman who has no fucking shot in hell. Her fucking douchebag OB doesn't believe her. Her husband's a scumbag who sold her out to the fucking devil. The people around her are literally gaslighting her and literally forcing her into doing horrible things that she knows in her heart of hearts are wrong, but no matter who she tells her what she does, nobody fucking believes her. Nobody gives a shit. And, and literally, it's... To me, the, the reason this movie gets me every time and why I will lose sleep every time I watch this film is because this was only, what, 40 years ago? Like, that's fucking terrifying to me. And it's, it's terrifying to think that we act like, oh, we have, we're, we're equal. And meanwhile, the truth remains that we have so, so, so far to go still. And Rosemary's just such a great character in that she shows... She's such a great manifestation to me of the struggles that women were forced to face and the oppression that was so real. Women were raped by their husbands regularly at that time period. Women were still looked frowned upon for reading or frowned upon for fucking working. Mia Farrow's getting dumped by Frank Sinatra for fucking taking this role in this film. So it's like, fuck you, patriarchy. This film should be fucking mandatory so that we can all see and understand the struggles we go through. Because I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I can categorically say when I go to the doctor, I feel like I still get the, oh, honey, are you on your, you know, are you on the rag, pat on the head? Like, there are very much times where as a woman, I feel brushed aside for what I feel or what I think or whatever. Women are so much more likely to be, like, accused of paranoia and accused of not knowing how to, what's best for themselves. Like, they're there. Sit down. You're a little hysterical. Have your fucking milkshake. You know? And I think this movie plays beautifully that. Okay, I will stop ranting about feminism. No, don't! <laughs> I just fucking love this movie. I think it's a little boring. What? <laughs> it's... <laughs> I love you so much. It's a little slow at times. I mean, I'm not gonna... I'm deny that yeah it's a little it, it gets good it, it definitely like i i'm not 
poo-pooing this movie. It is a good movie. Obviously, where it stands in the, you know, halls of horror, it is very important. And I agree with everything you said about Rosemary and, you know, the... Her yeah, the cutting the hair thing. I love it. I love, I love it. Because she can, only thing she, she can control. control so little, mm-hmm. but she can do that. And you know what? Not many people can pull off that pixie haircut and go, girl. Oh, you she look looks good. so good. You look so good. Um, and I love how how deteriorated she looks through the like. It it pisses me off though because just as she gains some autonomy by cutting her hair, they make her look so fucking sick. So it's almost like this suggestion that like, oh, if you fucking try too hard to get yourself, you know, and he like. People, everybody comments on the haircut. It's so fun. And then it wound up becoming such an iconic moment. I'm going to get right back on my little feminist high horse for a second here because, of course, Roe v. Wade is going to be decided the same year that Rosemary's Baby comes out. And holy shit, if this movie isn't a fucking beautiful metaphor for the idea of how important it is for a woman to have the right to control her own body. I'm not about to get into a pro-choice, pro-life shit here. You do you, whatever. But at the end of the day, I guess I am, because Rosemary didn't get to control her body. She was raped. Mm -hmm. She knew the baby was hurting her body. She knew things were wrong. But of course, it was a moment in history where it was too fucking bad for you. Lay down and put your feet up. You're going to have this baby whether you like it or not. And the, the metaphor there is undeniable to me. The idea that it is so important for us to keep control of our bodies regardless of how we feel about morality or the definition of life or fucking religion. I I just, I can't even speak enough to how important this film is as a snapshot of 1969, what a woman could and could not do. And I think Mia Farrow was fucking flawless in this film. Like she, oh God, her performance. Roman Cassavetes. Cassavetes. That's the character. Roman, Guy, who's Guy? Guy Woodhouse is Rosemary's husband. Oh, that's right. I get that. Yeah, yeah, right, but in real all. life, his name is John, John Cassavetti. I get so confused. Yeah. He, man, he can play a douchebag like the best of them, huh? I think he's a douchebag in real life. You probably. Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. I heard he was a dickhead on the set, right? Was it, Didn't he, like, not even, like, acknowledge Mia Farrow? Like, he would talk down her? Because he's, like, a classically trained actor, right? So he thought he was all hot shit. Um, and, okay, I'm going to say it again. When for Minnie being the scariest thing ever. I don't know why she terrifies me, but she does. Also, fascinating because with the exception of the suicide, I'm suicide in quotation marks because we all know, oh, wink, what happened there? Um, there's no, there's no murders in this film. Yeah, with the exception of the suicide in the very beginning. There's no violence? Really? With the exception of the devil raping her, which is fucking terrifying. There's no blood and guts. There's no real horror in the strictly, like, typical sense. This is such a psychologically horrifying film. And it's such a, like, emotionally draining film. And when that ending comes and she finally just... Because you, like... Okay, so I don't know about you, but by the end of the movie, I'm like, just fucking... Just kill it. Just kill yeah, it. no, that, uh, my last note is, you got the knife in your hand, honey. <laughs> Just kill the baby. But you wouldn't, in real life. I wouldn't kill my baby. I don't know. If it had, they talk about, you never see the baby. You ne- which I've always, 
I swear to God, anytime I talk about this movie, I can so vividly picture the baby. Oh, so can I. Which is so, I, remember, I like swore to hell in high water that you see the baby and you guys were like, no, you no. definitely don't. I swear to God, I could see the baby perfectly, which is just such, yeah. I mean, that's great filmmaking, right? I mean, the baby doesn't look like a baby. This is something that we actually talked about before we came on with like the difference between this movie and The Omen. It's so much harder to think about killing Damien in The Omen because he just looks like a little boy. Where in this movie, Rosemary's baby doesn't look like a human baby. No, so to me, right. I think that would make it easier. But then again, Not me. would it take away something from her character if she just gave up and killed it? Like, would it make her a stronger character to have killed it? Or does it make her, like, does it even elevate her higher? Because, you know what? Yeah. That's the son of Satan. That is a demon baby with cloven hooves and creepy eyes. And God, I can picture it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can too. Um, you know what? Do you such like, a good question? And I've I've gone back and forth on this so many times in my lifetime. Asked me before kids, and I was like, "Fuck you, ending. Fuck the matriarchy. Fuck having to be a fucking mom." If this were really a feminist film, she would have been like, "I killed the fuck out of that baby," and then be like, "Fuck you, bitches," and like blown the place up with a stick of dynamite. Right? In my very naive pre-child years that would have been my answer that her acquiescing to them and taking on the baby is such a fucking statement that the patriarchy wins in the end mm -hmm. it's like it is a perfect it does fit in perfectly with the metaphor of like the patriarchy is the bad guy it's gonna get you every time theme that this film has going but i have to admit Something about popping out two little ones has really softened my edges. Could you imagine this is me with softened edges? Oh my god. <laughs> um, because I gotta tell you, one of those kids could walk in right now and be like, Mom, bad news. I'm Satan. <laughs> and I'd be like, alright, well then call me Satan's mama. Like, because, and it's easy to say I have, you know, an eight-year relationship with both of my kids, but when they were fucking born... I was like, holy fuck, I love this thing more than, like, it is truly, truly an immediate bigger than you thing where I looked at their little slime, little smushy, gooey faces and I was like, this little fucking bald old man staring at me because that's what they look like. Yeah. Uh, and actually, Molly, I would say, Molly, if you ever listen to this in 20 years, I say this with love. Like, she looked like Mac and me. I used to call her Mac and me, the little alien guy. <laughs> so fucking, and you're like, there's this little thing. And, and I was never, like, a baby person before my kids. I was always like, oh, yeah, look at that. It's, like, a little fucking old man. How cute. My kids, I was like, I will fucking kill to the depths of fucking Mordor and back a million times for you within seconds. Like, my entire universe shifted. And I hate to be like, the, I'm going to tell stories about how profound motherhood is. But now that I am a mom, I'm like, all right, fine. My fucking kid's seen. That's my luck come on let's do this thing like give me my tennis root shake it's over see and i still think it's gross that we even grow children inside of us so no i get it it is disgusting <laughs> i can categorically tell you it that's true super creepy that we incubate these little parasites but holy so. fuck am i glad i did okay well, you know and for you yeah yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like, for me do you i'll do me i'll, I'll, I'll kill the you. i'll kill the baby Okay, you? yeah. If I have one and it's Satan, I give you credit. Yeah. I give you full permission. I'm gonna, okay? um, yeah. Yeah. Because if I do have a third one, it's gonna be the end of times anyway. So <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Um, no, I, I get it. And I also think that, like, I'm not trying to say it's the fucking right way. I'm not trying to say it's the best way. I'm not trying to say it's even the best way for me. I'm just saying that's my experience with it. 
And I will forever fucking be jealous of the freedom you have in life <laughs> to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like, Saturday morning, you don't have to go stand at a cookie booth. Nope. You don't have to fucking drive your kids to 12 sports. You don't have to watch them rehearse for the 5,000th time of their fucking show that you're going to have to see 12 times. You have so many things going for you, girl. I'm so jealous. So believe me, I'm not touting this lifestyle. I'm just saying that I... Now, as a mom, I kind of fucking get it. I don't know. I would kill. Oh, I would kill my husband though. <laughs> uh, that I would do in a heartbeat. If Matt let the devil rape me, and I finally put two and two together, and I was like, "This motherfucker was in on this." Oh, that knife's going in him, right? Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, think about it. Like, yeah, you know what? Honestly, you motherfucker. If you're Rosemary. You I would put him. the knife in him before oh, I kill the baby. 100%. I mean, I would kill the baby too, maybe, but the knife maybe, would yeah. definitely go in him first. Oh my god, that's the person I'm killing in all this. Because he, to me, is the one who's responsible for all this. You scumbag. Right? Yeah. I can't believe you're thinking long and hard about that. Yeah, no, I wanted to make sure that I was solid on my answer. I didn't I didn't I didn't need to phone a friend. No, I'm solid with that. I okay. kill him first, and then I kill the baby. I kill him no matter what. Once I realize. He literally let the devil rape me. <laughs> there is no coming back in your relationship. Yeah. There is no amount of family couple therapy you could do for that shit. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you. I want to, I want to, I'd, I'd be like, honey, let's get a, a picture of you holding the baby in front of this really big picture window. And then I'd push him both out the window. <laughs> that would be your Two method? for one. That would be my method. Oh my God, and the baby too? Yes, go. Oh my devil, that's terrible. Nope, it's, no, hail Satan, yeah. it goes. <laughs> oh, not me, hail Satan, it stays. Okay, like, fair enough. And I'm going to join the coven. And you know what? I'm going to take over. You know who else I'm going to go after? Ooh, fucking Minnie. Oh, you know what? You know who I think is worse? Minnie's terrible. Minnie's, Minnie's terrible. Worse. But uh, what, what, what's the her name? OB's going down too. If I'm La- Laura Louise is that uh, her name? Yeah, she's so fucking cute. fucking chubby in the too tight dress. Who's rocking the baby real hard? <laughs> she gotta go. She was a. So I think she I'm was a everybody cunt. She wow. was. Like, she was. You don't take that word out easy. So that's legit. She was annoying. She was. And she's love. rocking the baby and like it's got her that fucking job. Grit on her face. Yeah. And she's like, "Why don't you go away? You go away." <laughs> and then fucking Roman comes over and he's like, "It's the mother. Let her do it." And she walks away. And not only does she walk away with a shitty like look on her face, she sticks her tongue out. Like I still have a knife that in is my salt. hand. That is salt on the motherfucking wound. I got a knife in my hand. Do that again, you're going to lose that tongue. Right. right? Yeah, stick it out again. Yeah. So I agree goes. with you. I think my plan is infiltrate the coven. Get everybody in front of the picture window. For, or get everyone in front of the window for <laughs> a picture. Take the baby and just push. Yeah. I'm going to keep the Satan baby. I feel like that could pay off in Fair weird enough. ways for me. I feel like having a child who is the spot of Satan might come in handy. Having seen Ghostbusters 2 the amount of times that I have, oh apparently it sounds it's nice none. to be the mother of the ruler of the world. Oh my God, yes. It sounds nice. I, I, it does sound nice. <laughs> But, um, no, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, my plan is infiltrate the coven, get rid of all these motherfuckers. Yeah. Also, maybe some people who aren't 890 in the coven. Yeah. You know? Like, you like what's, okay, what's, with, what's with, like, the random Asian Satanist? Who is stereotypically taking pictures? <laughs> and why? Why? Really? In 1968? Think- that's what we're doing? <laughs> I think the whole gist of it is everyone is evil. Like, everyone, you can't trust anybody. The paranoia that they were cultivating with this film worked so beautifully. Because if you can't trust the adorable lady next door with the cookies and the tea, who can you trust, Jackie? Yeah, this movie I, I, I throw my me. hands in the air with that one, yeah. Because she can't me. trust her OBGYN. No, and then she's another goes, one I'm going to She kill. goes to the other one. 
And he's in on it, too. Like, everybody. Everybody everybody is in on this fucking cover. By the time I am done watching this film, and no matter how many times I watch this, this is true, I am convinced that my husband is evil, my OB is evil, my entire family is evil. I literally, I, like, have to hide for a few hours and decompress because I get so caught up. You don't? No, not at all. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I get, I literally, like, hit, so I watched this by myself in my room late at night. There's your first problem. And I was like, the entire time, and then when Matt came in for bed, I was like, hey, and like waited for him to fall asleep before I closed my eyes. See, now, like, I, I have that level. No, though, I get that because as someone who has never experienced childbearing, you know, pregnancy, <laughs> and without this movie ever existing, I am only assuming that there are other worries and paranoia you have oh when God, you're pregnant. You, are a you know, fucking loon when you're exactly Dude, everything was gonna kill me. Or something was wrong with the baby. I cannot tell you. I was that girl, especially with my first kid, who called the OB for that problem. That poor woman must have fucking blocked my number because I was a raving lunatic. And you can ask anybody who survived my first pregnancy. And I say survived because I was just a maniac. Like I was like, I will only eat organic ice cream from Whole Foods that cost ninety dollars a bucket because the baby won't be able to tolerate the non-organic milk. Like I was a you would have hated me. You would have good thing that you didn't know me much at that moment in our history because you would be like, Marissa, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I was the worst. So couple that with it being the devil yeah. growing in there. Oh, shit. Maybe that's why it eats me I up think so, so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, like, I watch me. this movie and, like, I turn and I look to see my boyfriend and my dog on the couch next to me and I'm just like thank god like thank god i don't have like the devil in me yeah i'm like looking in the girls room like peeking in, yeah. making sure they didn't grow horns especially when they were babies i used to be like devil be gone I'd, like walk up to their like little bassinet slowly expecting to see something fucked up you do when you're when you have a newborn that's like a really weird feeling like walking slowly up to the bassinet and they're like fucking quiet and you're like Dee-dee. And you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, motherfucker. Like, shit gets real. So I think, yeah, maybe it plays into that fear. But God, I love this movie. And as much as I fucking hate Polanski, as much as I hate Cassavetes, uh, this movie is brilliant. Uh, I do want to say, the one note I had is... This movie comes out in 1968, 1969? 68. 68. And the scene in the beginning when the neighbor, Terry, kills herself, you don't see her body... But you see the street and a car with a huge red blood splatter on it. And this is something that isn't very common at the time to have. I mean, in this day and age, that's nothing. But in 1968, like, that is gore. That is straight FCC coming down on you kind of gore. With having such, like, vibrant red blood splashed across the road. Yeah, and you know, the fucked up part, too, with Polanski particularly... Is that not a year less than a year later? His his wife is his pregnant wife's gonna get murdered, and it spirals him as a director into some fucking dark fucked up stuff. And it shows in some of his later work, but specifically, I always think of his version of Macbeth. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He did it. He basically like had it funded by Hugh Hefner, so it was a Playboy film. And I always think of it because I show a tiny clip of it when I teach Macbeth, because obviously it's really inappropriate. But that movie is soaked in blood, and it's so messed up. And to me, it shows this very interesting juxtaposition between Polanski before the Tate murders versus Polanski 
1971 when he makes this Macbeth. Because post-Tate murders Polanski is off the deep end over all about the blood and gore and guts. And I can't help but think that art is imitating life in that way, in that he very much was doing that as a reaction to the real-life horrors that we would all experience. And, and and in the 70s would become so normative, not only in our films, because as we know, the 70s is going to usher in all these fucked-up, gory horror movies and Grindhouse films, but also in real life because of all those stuff going on in, in our fucked-up world in the 1970s. So I do find this to be a very quaint snapshot of, like, that is a bold choice, and yet there's, like, it's so subdued compared to what will come. Oh, yeah. You know? But I agree with you. I think it's a very jarring image, even without the body, even without, you know, like, you still feel it. It's it's a call to his good directing. Yes. Unfor- unfortunately, I hate to give him any credit. True. True. You ready to move on to Damien? I am ready. Now, now Damien, you keep, you say. Yes. Damien, I'm going to so, keep. So, Rosemary's Baby goes, Damien stays for you. Probably. Because Damien, it's, it's Damien, smile. he looks like, he looks like a little boy. And he talks like a little boy. Like, at least with Rosemary's baby, that baby is, like, a couple days old and has creepy eyes and cloven hooves. Okay, but thinking of the posses here, you take the baby, you get Minnie, who could be delightful if she's on your team. True. You get tight-dressed Magoo. Yeah. And you get a delightful Asian couple. You take Damien, you get crazy Rottweilers who are going to eat your face off. And you get the crazy house, uh, the housemaid woman. No, she dies. Well, I mean, you probably wouldn't kill oh. her if you were taking Damien. <sighs> so you get stuck with the devil so, and his lightning. <laughs> okay, no, so here's, here's, here's where I go Damien. Alright, let me hear it. Because if I'm on, so if I'm Rosemary's baby, I side with the baby, I get to be on team Coven of All Those Witches. Correct. If I go Damien and I get to be on team Damien. You're just team Satan. Yeah, but I get a whole bunch of puppies. Oh, good point. But they're so, going to eat your face off. No, but if I'm on their team, it's fine. Right? Yeah. yeah so presumably. I get puppies. Damien. Oh my god. I go so, with Damien. Yeah. Pile of, puppies. pile of Rottweilers to just like roll around it and they'll lick your face. Just yep. like the real ones in the movie yes. wanted to do. Um, damn, you make a good argument Thank there. you. I know. Educated. Yeah, you win. I win. Um, full disclosure, I take them all. <laughs> <laughs> Damien's fucking adorbs. Yeah. I'm kind of okay with Satan. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. Like, if that's my kid, um, and I'm that mom, I'm like, you don't have to kill me, son. I got you, boo. Like, I will be your minion and devil be gone. I mean, Satan, Jesus be gone, devil lives here. If that's what it takes to keep my cute little kid, I'm not stabbing my kid. I know myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. I am a wuss when it comes to my kids. I can hardly tell them no to dessert, let alone stab them eight times with eight knives on an altar. So, uh, in this 1976 classic, 1976 classic, 1976. So, in this 1976 classic, June 6th, 1976, 666, Mark of the Beast, they play the old baby switcheroo. Oh, the oldest trick in the book. And the Thorn family basically raises the Antichrist. Whoops. Oh, 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 no. Oops. Again, going back to the other theme for this episode, in addition to, you know, devil babies, fucking douchebag husbands. Yeah. Lies to his wife because the wife gives birth to their son, Mm -hmm. who dies at birth. Mm -hmm. But then there's another woman that gave birth to the Antichrist, but the the mother dies. Now, listen. I have been 
out of sorts post-baby. But I feel like if the baby had been switcherooed, no, well, no, I think they could pull that off. Matt could have yeah. pulled that off. Might explain why my kids are so adorable and charming and wonderful, but who knows? <laughs> or might explain why they're that. Like, maybe I'm off the hook here. Maybe. No, you're, yeah, no, you could pull it off. You could switch the baby pretty easily, I guess. Um, yeah. So they pull the switcheroo. He thinks he's doing his wife a solid. Really, he's doing Gregory Peck things with his eyebrows. Oh, God, this oh, movie. Oh, those eyebrows. This should be called the eyebrows. It really should, because you want to know about the omen? It's right Look above eyebrows. it. It's yeah. right above Gregory Can Peck's the- eyes. <laughs> He's Cat- two giant fucking caterpillars. Caterpillars. Devil people around us. All for you, Damien. Rottweilers, baboons, giraffes. Mm, people die. He figures out his kid's the devil. The, pre- the president the of president- <laughs> the president. Dude, see, these are the kind of synopses I can get behind when we just free ball it like this. <laughs> yeah, president adopts Damien, the omen. There might be a little bit more. What's the omen? Damien himself? I guess. Like, so I always took it as the deaths of all the people around Damien were the omen omen to him being the Antichrist. That's that's how I always perceived it. Maybe I'm off base, but that was always my my guess to it. And I was like super trying to be like, I'm gonna analyze all of the, the passages that they quote, but they're all fucking made up. Yeah, they're not real. No. Well, I was all bummed about that. So I'm gonna go on record here as saying that while this is an awesome movie, and every time I see it, because I don't watch it unless I have to, because I personally think it's a little slow. Um, right? A little bit. No? Not as slow as Rosemary's Baby. Ballony! <laughs> you you ballony! <laughs> I'll throw that ball on you right back here. I think this one is slow, but I don't think it's as slow as Rosemary's Baby. See, but I can watch Mia Farrow scuttle around on screen and not do much for a while and not get bored. Eyebrows gets old for me. See, his eyebrows are exciting. They're up, they're down. (laughs) Sometimes one's up and one's down with a really nice arch. Those eyebrows keep me engaged. I mean, those eyebrows keep me aroused as well. I mean, engaged as well, but... Oh, Freudian slip. But I, um, I think that it it gets a little boring for me. And I also think that there are some scenes where I'm like, oh shit, that was great. Like, I love the zoo scene. Yeah. So the giraffes run away and he's like, and then they go just like old school Great Adventure. Remember when Six Clouds had Great Adventure had the part where you you drive the the safari? Oh, fucking, they would, like, eat your car and throw shit at you. That was the best. If you lived in New Jersey in the 80s and 90s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You would drive through the safari, and the best part, because you could opt out so you felt like you were a badass if you went through, was you would drive through the baboons, and they would, like, climb in your car. I used to feed them Cheetos, and we used to fucking rock out. Like, it was so much You weren't supposed to feed them, but I did. Um, they're fine. They like it. <laughs> Um, that was the fucking best. So much like the baboons at Great Adventure, they go visit the baboons, and the baboons, no, dude, I've always said, if there's somebody who could sniff out evil, it's a hairy, it's a hairless-ass monkey. <laughs> it's a big, red-ass baboon. <laughs> and here's the crazy part from that, and I'm full of these fun facts about this film, because I find the the whole filming of the, the Omen so fascinating. Apparently, they threw a real baboon in the car. Yeah, I think they had a, a baby. They had a baby baboon in the car to incite the other baboons to have a reaction. And to scare the fucking shit out of uh, the poor actors. Dude, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Like, I am fucking terrified of monkeys. 
Well, I had read that that's how Richard Donner got a lot of his reactions out of uh, the little boy that played Damien. Yeah, because it turns out he actually is the son of Satan, I believe. No, no, he's, no, no, he's no. just five. Oh, okay. He's just five okay. I thought that's how we got those reactions out of him. Oh, man. If Richard Donner did, you said the Goonies? Yes, yes. This is the Hot same guy dog. that did the Goonies. Richard Donner has a very awesome career. Was um, he heir to the Donner party at all? I don't know. Could be. Could be. All right, I'm just asking Could a very legitimate be. question. I know it sounded like I was being a Weisenheimer. My gripe about the impaling of the priest while a very entertaining scene. Bro, just step over one inch and you'll be fine. He seriously pulled like an Austin Powers <laughs> moment where like you see the spear coming down from the roof of the church and you see his face going, no! For like ten minutes. And then you see the spear no! Yeah, you really could <laughs> sidestep and walk away from the situation. In that time, he could have literally left the country. Like, there was, like, a good 20 minutes of that thing fall. Also, he saw it before it even fell. So he had even more, like, he was like, oh, shit, that really long piece of metal looks, uh-oh. Like, there was so much time there. No! Yeah. But the death itself was pretty awesome. The deaths in this movie are amazing. In the beginning, the nanny who does it all, oh, I do it all for you, Damien. Damien. Yeah. There's so and many then iconic throws moments. throws herself off mm-hmm. the roof of the building, smashes into smashes the window. window. All at a ba- kid's party, bro. Yeah, happy fifth oh birthday, Damien. Oh my God, all those, you know what? All those parents would talk so much shit for like the rest of that year. All anybody would talk about would be the, were you at the party where the fucking nanny killed herself? Because for real, knowing parents and how petty ass we are, like, we will talk about other parents for a whole year if the fucking gift bags that they give out at the end aren't enough. And like, could you imagine somebody dies at the party? Oh, girl, that tea would last me all year. I would be just, and I'm not even gonna lie and act like I would be above it. I would talk about that shit all year long. Until Damien's sixth birthday party, where 666, real shit's gonna go down at the sixth birthday, you can bet that. And guess what? I'm RSVPing yes. <laughs> Marissa Squad will be there. And I'll wear my favorite 666s too. I hope they have lots of six balloons at the president at the White House. I'm for sad that birthday. your kids are now older and we can't have a six six six. Oh my god! Because that would be so, so funny for all your fucking 16, soccer moms. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Can we scare them? Can we have a sweet sixteen? Oh, we would miss the boat, dude. If my kid was turning six and we had a six 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 themed party, oh, could you imagine? That would be amazing. Oh my god! It would, I, would, I would make it my mission to scare the fuck out of all your soccer mom friends. We wouldn't have to work that hard either. I scare them a lot already. So <laughs> just me doing this podcast and wearing shirts with like John Carpenter on them is enough to like have me be the talk of the town. Believe you Fair me. Enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So also in this movie, so there's a photographer that finds out that when he takes a picture of someone, if they're going to be afflicted by Damien, there's kind of a tell in the picture uh, with a shadow. There's a foreshadowing shadows. And this actor, whose name, David Warner, I think his name is. I know him, and I'm sure that many of our listeners will know him. He is the lead scientist that works at TGRI uh, from Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. I feel like he's been in way bigger things, though. Probably, but notably, the best movie is Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. No, he's definitely been in a ton of things. You, This is a guy that you know absolutely. Oh my god, he's and been I in feel everything. Like, I feel like you hear his voice, and you know his voice as well. Yeah, he was in Titanic, apparently, which might be what I'm thinking. Oh, he was the bad guy! The Billy Zane's 
That's right. Stoogie. Yeah. How did he look hotter in 1997 than he did in 1970? Because dudes in 1970 look weird. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, he was, he's the fucking, the bodyguard in the Titanic. Also, fun fact, the bodyguard's name in Titanic is kind of like a porn name. Spicer Lovejoy? Oh. That's going to be my porn name if I ever have one. Fair enough. Yeah, he was also Admiral Bloom in the new Mary Poppins, which was awesome. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at his ginormous cannon now. Yeah. I love that, but TNMT2 is where you go with it. That's what I love. Because T-U-R-T-L-E power. What? So. <laughs> That's why I love you. Right? Vanilla Ice for the win. Oh, he's in the second one, right? The Ninja Rap? Yes, that, that, that's part two. Okay. That's Secret well, of the Use. That is a national treasure, that film. So yes, you're right. it is. So, so, yeah, so then we, we meet the Mrs. Baylock, the creepy, yes. creepy nanny is creepy. Holy shit. I gotta tell you, as much as a nanny sounds like a dream come true, I'm not about that life with that woman, boy. Um, and, and the mom falls off the deep end, like, everybody, again, everybody just assumes she's crazy. She mm. herself assumes she's crazy, because she was saying to her husband... I gotta see a psychiatrist. Right, because that's I what have, they do. Because she has fears about her child. She thinks that she's crazy and needs to see a psychiatrist. Be, right, because that's how you're made to feel. Especially, like, it's such a, like, statement on to me, that part. I'm like, girl, I feel you. Because the minute you're pregnant and or postpartum and or a mother and or have a vagina, people just assume you're crazy and that you need some help and they are going to put you on something. I guess, yeah, yeah. You're like, not just you. I'm just saying, like, it's so fucking normative. It's such a normal trope that, oh, well, you must be creepy. Yeah. You know? And that and that always gets me. And then, sure as heck, the kid takes his tricycle. You know what was evil in the 70s? I'll tell you what one thing I would never have in my house is one of those little tricycles. Because between Danny and The Shining and Damien and The Omen, notice the Ds. Now, there is a difference, though. Because I think that... Oh, he, you're right. Oh, no, no, no. It was, you know what, I, in my head, I, for a second, I thought he had power wheels, but he didn't no, have No, but a, he had the, it he was didn't a have different the, type of He didn't tricycle. have the pow, pow, power wheels. No, no, he had, he had like, the, the big, big wheel. plastic. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah, almost Yeah, the Fisher 80s. Price, yeah. 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 Still, though, kids, Tricycles. Are, kids on bikes in the house. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a dangerous this is situation. why your mother tells you not to play with your tricycle in the house. So really, she's got nobody to blame but herself for falling off the stairs. And you know what? When you suspect that your child is trying to kill you, why would you put yourself in such a precarious situation? Yeah. And also, why would you have your goldfish just dangling off of the edge of the thing? I mean, I know we're victim blaming right now. But <laughs> we are victim blaming, aren't we? But still. that Like when we yelled at her for not using her full body cast to defend herself against the woman. <laughs> That was my favorite victim blame we did this that week. That is true. We victim blame all the time. We do. Um, but when, so he calls the hospital and he's like, oh, you're gonna get out of there. Which, P.S., fuck you very much. If that was my husband on the other end, I'd be like, bitch, I am in a full body cast and a goofy ass nightgown. How do you propose I do that? So the poor woman, like, fucking Winnie the Pooh chasing the honeypot gets stuck in her own robe while she's trying to escape. Why was she, I don't understand why she was trying to take the robe off anyway. Because she had to get dressed. She wasn't going to walk around in her robe. Okay, she's my husband, an my husband wife. calls me and is like, get out of, not you need to get out of the hospital, not you need to come home. Hide your kids. He said, Hide your wife. he said, you need to get out of London 
come meet me in Rome. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm your like, jammies on? okay, yeah, jammies on, slippers cast. on, cast up. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> you tell me go, I'm gone. Okay, I agree with you, but you're also talking to a woman who regularly wears her pajamas to record this podcast. So obviously, my standards are low. <laughs> okay, um. So when she gets attacked, though, right, she's sitting there all tangled in her jammies, right, her flippers and flobbers, and she's like, looks over, and it's what's-her-face, right? Mrs. Baylock. Mrs. Baylock. I could not remember her name if you paid me. I've watched this movie so many times. Mrs. Baylock. Mrs. Belvedere comes in, <laughs> and she attacks her, and we were very angry, because why wouldn't you use your hard cast and drop the people's elbow? Just well, she couldn't. It. She she would have to throw her body because she couldn't go down. But she had a cast on her body too. Like my whole body's my weapon in that. Place. Yeah, I'd throw myself. Oh there. God, me too. I would throw. I would just charge at her with my hard casted body. All of this being said, <laughs> she gets pushed out of the window <laughs> again. She gets again, pushed. she falls. Yeah, she gets pushed out the window and she lands on an ambulance. And I love this shot. This is one of my favorite shots of the whole movie. Lands on the roof of the ambulance. Breaks through the roof, lands on the stretcher, and the force of it blows the windows out and then blows the back doors open, and you see her lying dead on the stretcher. My fucking favorite. And then the EMT goes, well, that handled itself nicely, and walks away. No, just kidding. That part doesn't happen. But that would be pretty great if if I wrote this movie. Okay, so so the EMT standing there and he's like, well... My work here is done. <laughs> or, <laughs> or he, like South Park, he goes, it never gets any easier. <laughs> and walks out like that. All of those would have been acceptable endings to that scene. Either that or just the Seinfeld bass line. Boom, boom, boom. Stop victim blaming, Marissa. <laughs> or... Let's just go full on Looney Tunes and be like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be. that's all, folks. <laughs> so Kathy's dead. Yeah. Now po- the poor mother, once again, victim, dead. Yes, she's dead. Why? Because her kid's taken. So then a good long half an hour of absolute rubbish happens where they go to the catacombs, they meet some crazy guy in a sweater. Who looks like the dude. So the he big Lebowski. The dude. Tells eyebrows how to kill his son. And if only that were real, it would have been much more entertaining. It is through a series of these, like, ice picks. And there's important ones, because the first ice pick oh has to be the first one. Right. And then there's a series that you also... Because you have to kill the physical body. And I physically could not care less. It was a good 30 <laughs> minutes of me thinking... What I did fast forward it to. No, but oh. then we have the the scientist from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles gets decapitated. Yeah, that's in a true. fantastic, fantastic way. You just love decapitation. I do love decapitations. Beautiful decapitation. I don't know if I'd say beautiful. It was because the truck comes down the road. The truck accidentally gets put into motion. Not accidentally. The devil does it. You goon. Well, by the purposes by of the devil. The devil accidentally, when the guy is getting out of the truck, he accidentally takes the parking brake off. The truck rides down the hill, hits a rock, and the big plate of glass that's on the back of the truck bed flies off, cuts the guy's head clean off. The glass breaks, the head goes rolling, the head just is then sitting there, the body's over there, and I like decapitations in movies. And then Gregory Peck looks at the the camera and he goes, well... 
I guess he really couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't really get ahead in life, could he? I crack myself up so much sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was not the way to get ahead. It was where I was yeah. gonna go, but that's that's yeah. how I would have. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say as a photographer he was very headstrong. <laughs> I don't know that he gives. Good but anyway, eyebrows instead very ridiculously covers his face like a two year old, <laughs> like with his our eye, like the hands like wide open, but not really. Like it's like he plays peekaboo because it's very disturbing because the guy's head's like rolling around. You love that one? No, I was just gonna say I like the the scene before that when they were in the cemetery where they found the mother mm-hmm. of Damien, Damien's birth mother, who was like a dog or a jackal or something, and then they find eyebrows like actual son oh yeah and what happened is the mother kathy gives birth and they kill the baby immediately and it was all kind of a plot to make sure that he a very powerful ambassador raises the son of satan which then makes sense that damien winds up in the hands of the president because well i could make insert funny joke about our president being the devil here but instead i'll simply say are you proud of me for my restraint Instead, I'll simply say that, yeah, he winds up then being raised by the devil. So the scene in the graveyard where they find out, you know, they find the bo- the gravestone of the birth mother and, and eyebrows real baby. So it comes to a point where they then become surrounded by the Rottweilers. Mm-hmm. And it was very reminiscent of the scene in Jurassic Park <laughs> when they're surrounded by velociraptors. And I couldn't help but pulling out the clever girl line a couple Let times. Go. A couple things, yeah. So the Rottweilers attack. Shockingly, nobody dies in that scene. Um, I will say there's a whole lot of attempts at throwing in bigger religious, like, religious uh, ideology that, I have to be honest, doesn't really land for me. Like, the whole priest saying, I'll see you in hell. And I was like, oh man, this is profound because that guy was part of the conspiracy, right? And I'm like, but when they get to the... The Vatican and the guy with the face and the monks and none of that works for me. I'm like, over here. Uh, am I wrong? No, I mean, I think they could have done a little, a little bit better of a job. No, I'm a liar. I liked it. Oh, I, I liked it. I liked the tie-in, like, you know, of the way that the guy who worked at the hospital that originally did the switcheroo was now the one that was suffering and... Mm. You know, I was into that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, see, I was I was like, meh. I mean, I like that he was suffering, but I, I got it. I just didn't, I don't know. It, it was, to me, it was a little slow. I liked, I would have liked to see, in both of these films, the women be more empowered, but I just think it was a sign of the times that they didn't have that luxury. I also think there's a very, you know, male perspective here to the notion of the child-mother relationship. Um, that it takes a very traditional matriarchal bullshitty kind of turn. I like that the mom was, like, the one who was like, no, man, we gotta gotta fucking kill this kid. Like, I did enjoy that. And I also thought, oh, well, would they have had the balls to do that if it was her biological kid? Like, were they trying to kind of say that she always, which I hate, because I think adoption is just as valid as a parenting technique, but, um, like, I was like, oh, is it because he's not hers? Does she somehow sense that? You know, and I tried to read more into that than I think was actually there. Um, I always, like I said, I always forget just how iconic some of the cinematography and some of the film shots in this film are. And I love that end scene. Harvey Stevens, the kid who plays Damien, is just so good at being able to be absolutely adorable and absolutely terrifying all in one felt swoop. Oh, absolutely. 
He is hands down amazing in this movie. And he's why, you know, skip to the end. We are now at a church. Great, you know, eyebrows has him by the throat. He is he's got him at Christ's altar. He's gonna stab him. And, you know, drives like a dumbass. And then the police start tailing him. So the police are right behind him. He lifts up the ice pick to kill his son. And this is the point when the kid's going, Daddy, please. Daddy, please oh, help me. Yeah. I'm I'd like, be like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, son yep. of a bitch. And if it gets you, yeah. then you know it's effective. Because yeah. you're, you're, that's not easy to get to get that by on you. And then he raises the ice pick to kill his son. And he gets shot by the police. Yeah, and then the president gets... The yeah, and scene. then we're at the funeral. And I mean, yes, he is a high-ranking official. He is an ambassador of Great Britain. Um, but somehow Damien is in the custody... Wait, I thought he was an American ambassador living in Britain. Yes, yeah, you're right. Okay, is that what, I, I think you that's what I meant. Was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so... But somehow <laughs> Damien is in the custody of the president of the United States. Perfect. The end. We gotta watch yeah. the Omen Part 2 because I have no clue what happens. And we get a little fourth wall break because the last shot of the movie is Damien turning to the camera, giving us that icy stare, and then, you know, it's like the Grinch smile where, like, his whole face <laughs> kind of curls up into a creepy smile. And it's, well, like, the scene leading up to it, and I have to admit I forget every time, because the scene leading up to it, you're like, oh, wait, is that is that Damien in the casket? Because they shoot the caskets in a way where you can't tell the depth perception of them. So it's, like, brilliant because you're like, oh, shit, he's still alive! Like, every time it gets me. Um, and like I said, yeah, it kind of makes me want to watch The Omen Part 2, because I'm like, well, is that, like, the continuation? Like, do we, the Rottweiler and the kid go home and they are now Satan? And I, I don't know. I'm curious to see where it all goes. So yeah. I gotta check out. I gotta put that on my to-watch list. But, um, anything else? No, that's everything I've got for it. I, I think you said it earlier. If you haven't seen these movies, why are you listening to us? Go go watch them. Go watch them. We like that you listen, but go watch these movies. You need to go watch these um, movies. And again, I love both of these movies for kind of playing with the uh, fighting back against the pa the patriarchy, the church, all these establishments that really cause us so much trouble in life. More yes. than sometimes they're worth. There, I said it. There we go. So don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us there. Same thing with podcasts. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. On our website, you will find our podcast, our blog, movie reviews, and a whole lot more. Check us out on jerseyghouls.com. And at this point, we are right around the corner from Monster Mania. So please come out March 8th, 9th, and 10th at Cherry Hill, New Jersey. We're going to be hanging out with Horror Movie Night. We're going to be hanging out with the guys from Fright School. If you've not heard of Fright School, please do yourself a favor. Check out Fright School. Uh, they're an amazing, amazing podcast. Two gentlemen from California, not from California, that are in California, put this podcast out every week, and it is, it's a fantastic Absolutely time. Absolutely hilarious. So yeah. do yourself a favor, start listening now so you're all caught up. So come March 8th, 9th, and 10th, when you come visit us at Monster Mania and Cherry Hill, you can say hi to Joe and Joshua as well. And if you do stop by, please make sure you to mention that you did listen to this episode because we will be so excited to give you a super duper secret prize to anybody who comes up and reminds us that we are indeed the devil's children. <laughs> we are all the devil's <laughs> children. Um, just kidding. No, but come and tell us that you listen and we will we will reward you. We will shower you with swag. Um, and also don't forget that if you enjoy listening to my very obnoxious voice, you can check me out over at misonscream.com where myself and Katie, my co-host, talk about horror in a very academic, very sociological way and we wax on and on about just how we use our horror films to explore our real life fears and kind of play around with all that fun stuff so check us out at misonscream.com and don't forget you can hang out with us at jersey ghouls on facebook or any other social media 
Thanks for listening. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. He watches over us from down below. His power and his glory darken every door. Oh, Satan, prince of darkness, you're my Lord. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.